We're continuing our series we started last week. If you remember, last week we were talking about Tamar and Rahab, and we'll do a quick refresher on them, a quick G-rated refresher on them, uh, because there's some stuff. But let me start where we finished last week, back again in Matthew chapter 12. And this is Jesus and his mother and brothers. So as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, it's Mother's Day. Billy, don't say, who is my mother? <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but Jesus is making a point here, right? What's the point? He pointed at his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mothers. We invited into the family of Jesus? We absolutely are. People that do the will of God are counted as part of that family. So as we go through our lesson today, we're going to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, Who is part of the family has something to do with Are we paying attention to what God's will is, and are we doing that? All right? So, our big question last week, why did Matthew highlight these five women in Jesus' genealogy? Because he's he's rocking through the men, and then suddenly a woman pops up, and another one, and another one, and there'll be a fourth one, and a fifth one. Why is he doing that? Because he didn't have to, and he skipped some that we knew about. We didn't talk about all the women that are in there that we know. What's important? We gave some answers last week. We, we highlighted these virtues that we found in Tamar and Rahab, these things that are kind of attached to biblical wisdom of seeing things in God's perspective and his point of view. I'm adding that because I didn't say that last week. But they were resourceful and creative. We saw that with Tamar where she was able to get justice with what she had. And she didn't have much. But she used it in a way that Judah says, you are more right than I am in this. You are doing what's right here when I was not. Rahab, who was in a situation where she should have been part of the rubble of Jericho, but instead she is insightful and she knows that the Lord is going to win and is protective of her family, and that leads to her being part of not only Israel, but of the story of Jesus, and that's big. So we're going to continue today with the story of Ruth. Ruth is our next one. Ruth is a wonderful, beautiful story that also has a lot of heartache and tragedy in it. So we're going to go through the entire story. We're not going to read every verse, but if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ruth chapter 1 in your Bible or your Bible app, and we are going to cruise through. I'm going to do a lot of telling, and then we'll do some reading back and forth because we've got four chapters to get through, so let's get going. So as the story starts, Elimelech, which is Naomi's, husband. All right, so we're just introduced to some characters here. They have two sons, Malon and Kilion, and there's a famine in the land of Israel. They're from Bethlehem, and they say, we can't eat here. We've got to leave. So they leave to Moab. Moab is one of the other neighboring nations that has some family history with Israel that we're not going to talk about today, but they go there for the famine, and while they're there, Malon and Kilion marry two Moabite women. All right, now at this point, God has told his people, don't marry foreign women. And here are these Israelites who have gone to another land. They've left their own land, and they've gone somewhere else, and they're marrying these women that they're not supposed to marry according to the law. 
And yet here we are with Ruth, one of these women, has a book of the Bible named after her. So we know something good is going to happen, even though the situation starts off not so great. But first, all three men die. And you think about the, the, the heartbreak there, right? Naomi has left her home. She's left her people. She's gone somewhere else with her sons and her husband so they can survive. And what happens? They die. They die anyway. Her husband, her two sons. And so now we've got three widows all together. Famine ends in Judah. Naomi decides she's going to go back to Bethlehem, to her hometown. And she tries to go by herself. She says to her daughters-in-law, there's nothing for you guys there. You go back to your families. Go get married to somebody else. I'm going back. And and you kind of read between the lines there. She doesn't have a husband anymore. She doesn't have sons anymore. So what's she going to go back and do? She's going to go back and and die. She's at least going to be back in her homeland when she dies, is where she's at, right? She is in a place of of deep depression. She says, you guys, just go back. So Orpah, one of her daughters-in-law, they hug and they kiss, and she goes back home. But Ruth reacts a little differently. And if you've heard nothing else from the book of Ruth, you've probably heard these next verses. So let's read from the book of Ruth and hear what Ruth says in chapter 1, starting in verse 16. Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Man, that is a commitment that she is making to her mother-in-law. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Man. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. It's a kind of a bummer reaction, I guess. (laughs) You want a hug or a thank you or I'm so glad you're coming. But Naomi's clouded in darkness right now, right? And so she gets back, and they go back home. And when she gets home, she tells the people, don't call me Naomi anymore, because Naomi means pleasant. She says, call me Mara now, because Mara means bitter. I left full, and I came back empty. So what's happening to her? Yeah, she's in depression. And if you've ever been around someone in depression, or if you suffer through depression, this is a serious thing. And can you see in front of you? And let me just plug here, because it fits. If you are suffering with depression or anxiety, those are real things. Go seek mental help from a therapist, from a counselor. That is okay. That is okay. I want to come pray with you too, but there's some other things that are part of a big solution for that, all right? Naomi didn't have that, right? She didn't have that opportunity. If we've got that opportunity, let's go use it because it is important to get as much help as we can in these situations so that we can see clearly. And we're going to find a few more instances throughout this story where Naomi is not seeing clearly because she is so clouded 
and what's going on. We're going to keep watching as Ruth keeps showing up, keeps showing up. One day, chapter 2, Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up grain, the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. What's happened? We're back. Maybe we should go get some food. <laughs> we, need, we need to eat. Naomi's whatever. She's ready to stop eating. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, do you hear that? And as it happened, it's not a phrase we hear a lot in the Bible, is it? It's not what we think about with the Bible a lot. Or this mix of chance and what God's doing. Because we know here in that and as it happened, that something more than coincidental is about to show up here. So as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. So she's working in somebody, some relative's field, so that's good. He notices her, and he finds out her story. He says, who's this? Who's this? I've never seen this woman before. Who is this? And he gets her backstory, and he's impressed with her story. Because who leaves everything behind to come with someone who can't provide you a future to take care of them? So he takes extra steps because he's going to protect and provide for them. Because he knows that if they go other places, it may not be as good. If she goes and harvests in other fields, they may not take care of her the same way. But he knows that he can take care of her. He's going to do it. Verse 10, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. That's quite the blessing, isn't it? And do you see how Boaz is starting to see himself as part of God's story here? He says, may God bless you. And what's he doing? He's being a conduit of that blessing, right? He's being a provider for her. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. All right, so she is being treated well. She's being treated with respect by this guy, and this is, this is good news for the story. So she keeps working. He feeds her. He does everything treating her like she is working for him. So he's giving her extra protection. He's giving her extra stuff. He's making sure that she's taken care of. She goes home after a full day of working and has way more than she should have had if she was just doing this at a normal place. Naomi is surprised at the amount. She suddenly is like, whoa. In the middle of, of the depression she's going through, right, she suddenly is like, man, this, this is different. May the Lord bless Boaz, Naomi told her in verse 20, daughter, told her daughter-in-law, he is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. All right, you remember last week we talked about how if a brother had a wife and they didn't have a kid and then he died, the next brother is supposed to marry and so on. So if you run out of brothers, then you got to go outside the family because we've got land now that it belongs to you that has to be taken care of, and you've got this wife that needs to be taken care of. So family redeemer 
is the extension of that system that goes, okay, now we've got this plot of land that someone's got to work because this is part of the land God's given us. So what are we going to do with this land and the people that are living on it? So fame of the Redeemer, that's what we're talking about. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. And this is one of those moments, again, where maybe Naomi should have recognized, I, I could have sent you to Boaz's field before, but she, she's, she's shrouded here, and she's not seeing things clearly. And so now she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, stay with him. Stay there because he's going to take care of you because he's a good man, and we know he's a good man. So he's going to do the right thing here. So time passes. The harvest season goes, and Naomi forms a plan to get Ruth married. because She says, we've got to do something to take care of you now. You've been taking care of me. All right, so let's see what the plan is. We'll start off. Ruth says to her, I'll do everything you say. I could have told you the plan and then write it again, but we'll just read what happens, all right? So she went down to the threshing floor that night. We're in Ruth chapter 3, verse 6, and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. So this is their custom for how this whole thing works. He knows what's going on. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. So he says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take care of this. This is an honor and a blessing that you are giving to me now. So what happens is there's actually another guy in line. So he says, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to make sure everything is worked out the way it needs to be. He sends Ruth home with food, and he gets to work on it. So he goes to the town square, and he finds this guy who's one step closer in line, just a little bit closer relative. And he says, hey, you know Naomi's back in town but she doesn't have a husband or sons anymore. So she's got this plot of land. Do you want it? Another guy says, sure, I want it. And he says, and you also get Ruth as your wife. And he says, pass. <laughs> and so Boaz says, all right. And then they do this sandal thing that's part of their customs. We don't need to worry about that. But the end result is Boaz said to the elders in chapter 4 and to the crowd in verse 9, standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with that land, I've acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gates replied, we are witnesses. So, thing is done. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. So Rachel and Leah, they're the parent, they're the wives of Jacob. 
So they're part of the 12 tribes, mothers. All right. Now listen to this next line. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. I guess they didn't sweep that story under the rug. <laughs> That's part of the blessing for having kids. Say, so may she be like our ancestor Perez, whose parents you remember. And we're going to tie that all together here with the other story in a second. So Baz and Ruth marry, and they have a son named Obed. And Obed shakes Naomi from the depression. She treats Obed like her own son. And she says, basically, I have been refilled. And, and in my own life, not my, my life, in the history of my story, I've heard this story before from my family. My uh, grandma uh, had three, three kids, my mom, and then two sons. And the middle son was killed in a car accident when he was 25 by a drunk driver. And, and the depression that, that she went through in that. And the next year, my other uncle had his firstborn son. And they talked about that son as a healing baby. As, as a baby that when she held it, it doesn't replace my Uncle Joe at all, right? The pain is still there, and the pain is, is continually remembered. But there is something here that s- fills the gap. That's a great way to put it. Fills the gap that, that gives you something to look at and to move forward with. And you saw that, that, that Naomi had become hopeless, and there was nothing to look forward to anymore. And suddenly, ah, this isn't the end. There is still something left for me and for my life. And would that have happened if it hadn't been for Ruth stepping in? No. A foreign woman who her sons weren't even supposed to marry in the first place. And yet, steps in. Let's go back to Matthew. This is also in Ruth, but we're going to read the Matthew version of the genealogy. So Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. You wonder why Boaz turned out to be such a good man, huh? What kind of stories did his mom tell? Yeah, salvation stories. Stories of how God took our family and made us part of this family. Was Boaz primed to say yes to Ruth, the Moabite woman? Yeah, he knows how God can transform and can change things because of his mother. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Ah, now we're going to talk about King David next week a little bit when we read Psalm 119, and we'll talk about King David again the next week when we talk about Bathsheba. But now we see the way God is working in this story, right? Here's another woman who's part of this line that's going to lead us to Jesus, but first is going to lead us to David and the stories of David and the great stories of the Bible, of the faith that he had and, and the failures he had. But things that are, that are really important for how we understand God's people and God's kingdom and what God's doing. So, 
Ruth displays faithfulness and virtue. Let's break those down a little bit. In Ruth chapter 3, remember we read this already, Boaz is saying, the Lord bless you, my daughter. You are showing more family loyalty. Remember that word, family loyalty. I'm going to show you a bunch of ways it's translated in different versions now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. That faithfulness word or loyalty or kindness or love. We sang a song right before, your loving kindness. That's this word in Hebrew, chesed. And this is, this is that word. And it's translated all these different ways because it's a, it's a very full word that it takes a bunch of words for us to get a picture of. And do we see that in Ruth? We saw her love, right? We saw her kindness. We saw her loyalty. We saw her faithfulness. We saw all of those things. Now remember, we, we asked last week too, are these things we see in Jesus? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. He is loyal to his apostles. He shows all kinds of faithfulness and kindness to the people. All the way to death, right? When he's forgiving them for they don't know what they do. Man, that's some love. And then the next verse here. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Virtue also translated excellent, a woman of excellence, a woman of nobility, a woman of honor. You see those things in Ruth? Someone who stepped in when she didn't have to, when she could have gone home, who stepped in and gave up everything she had had to bless someone else. Man, that makes her quite the example to look at. Do we see those things in Jesus? course we see those things in Jesus. Man, look at Jesus' life. Look at the way that Jesus goes all the way to the cross, right? Did he have to? Sure didn't. Did he love you? Sure does. He sure does. It's the good news. Jesus wants you to be part of his family story. This is that, that verses from Matthew we read at the beginning, right? is that the one who does the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my sister. Jesus wants you in his family. And we see that here, right? We see a woman, Ruth, who is doing the will of God and has become part of the family. And that can be you too. That can be you too. We also saw something heavy. And that God can transform tragedy into a new opportunity. Doesn't erase the past. That doesn't resolve or make you forget about the hurt. I mean, the worst thing you can say to someone when they have a loved one who dies is, oh, well, you'll get over it. Cornbread. <laughs> but God can transform the tragedy, right? And those memories can help move you forward. And the things that that person did in your life can give you encouragement to go do those things in others' lives. Right? And in the best of situations, we say, man, this is someone we're going to get to see again, too. And that's what we want, right? That's what we want. This 
tragedy. And it was, remember, it was a tragedy for Ruth, too. Her husband dies. But she gets to work and sees the opportunity, even in the pain. And sometimes even in the pain, we've got to look for that opportunity, right? We'll heal. That doesn't mean that we don't have a scar, but we can heal. So here's our challenge. It's a hard challenge. It looks simple. But what did Ruth do for Naomi? Who can you bless the way Ruth blessed Naomi? Who needs you to stand in the gap for them? Who can you share the deep love of Jesus with in a way that transforms? Who can you show up for over and over and over again, even when they are a brick wall? Who do we need to love the way Jesus has loved us? Let's pray and then we'll sing. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing up over and over again. Thank you for transforming our hard hearts. God, give us the courage and strength to be like your servant Ruth, who showed up over and over again. Give us eyes like Jesus to see those who are hurting. May we be your hands and feet in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.